We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, have I got a treat in store for you guys today. I'm very excited. I haven't seen this man for many, many years, and we first met in the late 60s, early 70s. He's a phenomenal talent, a singer, songwriter. The Frampton Comes Alive album is one of the great live albums ever, and he will be touring the UK at the end of this year. It is the gorgeous, lovely Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton. I can't believe this. This is amazing. How long is it since we've seen each other? A long time. Long time. Uh, I think it was probably in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I was hanging to... with Mary. And uh, we have to explain Mary is one of your very dearest friends and one of my very first wives. <laughs> exactly, which is how I met you. Well, I think I. When we actually first met, when I first met Mary and first met you, I, were you actually married then or were you girlfriend and boyfriend? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I was yes. trying to think, I've got a feeling, I'm my memory, Mary's got the best memory in the whole world. She remembers yes. everything. I forget yes. everything. But I think we went to Mr. Charles in Knightsbridge and you guys, I met you through a guy called Terry Knight. Yes. Because I'd been in America doing a, a promotion for Yardley and he was like the master of ceremonies and he said to me you've got to meet Mary and Peter oh, and he put us so together nice. he was the manager of Grand Funk Railroad that's right. for those of you who remember yeah and how did you guys know him I can't remember that either uh, through um through that because Humble Pie would support them many many times we did the big Hyde Park Corner we did a complete tour of America. We played, we were the first band on the stage at Shea Stadium after the Beatles, <laughs> if you think wow. about it, a few years later. But we opened for Grand Funk at Shea Stadium and then we opened for them all over the country. And then we came to England and kind of blew them off at, at, in Hyde Park. That's just <laughs> <laughs> What was it like playing Shea Stadium? My goodness. Well, it, there was no roof in those days. They just had a flat stage. Uh -huh. And I don't know what, why they thought that, you know, rain wouldn't happen. <laughs> so <laughs> Steve, Steve had, oh, Steve Marriott. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, God bless uh, him. His guitar got broken on the plane, you know, somehow. So <laughs> a friend of ours, a friend of ours glued it, but he said, <laughs> it, needs, it needs two nights. To, to, for the glue to harden. We said, well, we don't have two nights. So, because you didn't have multiple guitars in those days. So he said, it's okay, it's okay, it's holding. So we get on the stage and then halfway through the show, it starts pouring and we're just getting drenched. And there's a Marley floor, the slippery white Marley floor to, you know, make the, the light come up at us. And while we're playing, I hear Steve's going very slightly flat. And the the neck on his guitar was going. Uh, the glue was. It was humid. It was raining, and the glue was coming undone. So we had to use another guitar. That's he was in like three keys down by the end of the song. <laughs> That's brilliant. Honestly, the things that go on on stage. <laughs> I know. I know. That's a brilliant story. <laughs> So you grew up in the Bromley Beckenham, like Mary, yeah? Because she's from that part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. I was born in uh, Beckenham Hospital and lived in the area of Bromley. And she was uh, 
she was over the hill. They are just a, like, you know, 15 minutes away. I wish I could remember the street name, but it's gone now. But but yes, I used to go and hang hang at Mum and Dad's house over there. Oh, with her I know. <laughs> it's lovely. We I should explain that although she was your first wife and you divorced and you both went mm-hmm. separate ways, you are still great friends, aren't you? Oh yeah, which I, is lovely. Yeah, absolutely, lifelong yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah that's, very close. That's brilliant. Life is too short to hold whatever I know. grudge. Not grudge is the wrong word, but but hold history. We we're not here long enough to, you know, spend a lifetime ignoring someone that you've spent so many years with. I agree. So that's my philosophy, and I'm sticking to it. And Well, it, you know, if it can be done, it, it is, I agree, but sometimes... Yes, it, for the kids, too. For the kids, you know. mainly for the kids, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So you grew up in that area. Was it your dad who was the art teacher? Yes. Yeah. And a certain Mr. David Bowie went to that art school, yes? Well, it was, it was a high school. Oh, it's it was a high a, school? It was a technical high school, which is what we called it in those days. It was before we went comprehensive. So it was all boys um, that had passed or got to the technical school with the 11 plus. So before we went there, before I went there, I was always at the school because dad was a woodworker as well as a painter. And so we'd go there and make furniture for the house on the weekends. Had a huge wood shop, huge metal shop. I mean, something like a factory nowadays. So anyway, uh, on one weekend, we went to the school. There was a fair, a fate, we uh-huh. call them, you know. But America's fate? What? What's a fate? What's my my fate? I don't know my fate. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fate, a garden party, a garden, you know, yeah. whatever. And um, raising money for the school. So we went there. I remember we got a we got a puppy that day called Leo, Aww. who was a boxer. But the main thing was, as we walked in, there was a band playing on the steps of the school um, called the Conrads. And I had heard of them because they were like one of the best local bands in Kent and South London. So I, first of all, I looked at the guitar player who had a Fender Stratocaster, which I, it was the first real one I'd seen apart from Hank Marvin playing one in the shadows. And then I, you couldn't stop looking at this guy on the end with the saxophone playing, playing, um, great. And then, then he did all the singing too. And I said, he was mesmerizing, you know, even at that age, he must have been 14. So I said, dad, who's that? He said, Oh, oh, that's Jones. He's, He's very creative, you know, a good artist, creative. He's very much into music. I do know that. So I said, okay, mental note, got to hook up with him as soon as I go to the school because I wasn't old enough. I say you're, you're younger than David was, yeah? Three years. Yeah, three yeah, years. Three years. Now, like um, a lifetime when you're 13, mm-hmm. but now it doesn't seem like much at all. So first lunchtime, I made a beeline for, for Dave and um, – uh, everybody said he's David. Yeah, but we knew him as Dave Jones. You know, so it's <laughs> it's it's it sticks with you, you know. Of course. And George Underwood, who was he was his best friend till we lost him. And George um actually painted that painting behind me. Oh um, really? Yeah. And he's a fine great fine artist, wonderful, and uh, we're still friends. And it was the three of us. And my dad said, um, Well, you chaps seem to be into the old you know, rock and roll stuff. Now he said, well, look, why don't you bring your guitars to school, stick them in my office in the morning, and then you can get them out at lunchtime. And uh, I don't think he used the word jam, but he probably <laughs> said you can play together. Oh, that's so <laughs> And that's sweet. when we used to sit on the steps with this lovely echo in the stone stairway there. And uh, But that's amazing that two major rock stars of the world actually went to the same school and hung out together. Don't you think that's amazing? Not knowing what was going to happen in the future to either of you. No, not at all. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And and we, of course, we came from the same place. We've always, when I've talked to David on the phone, I don't know if it's him or me. You know, so we we very seven. Not now. I've lived in America so much, but mm. but in those days, I didn't. I thought I was talking to me. You know, it was, um, <laughs> well, same kind of 
accent. Yes, and, yeah. same exact accent, yeah. yes. It's, and it's, same timbre, yeah. Yeah, because actually people think that London has one accent and it hasn't. Oh, no. Yeah, South every, London, every East London. Every 20 minutes there's another accent. Exactly. Because you know? I, I, I grew up in North West London, which right. again is a very different accent to where you grew up. And it's very yes. different because people always thought I was a Cockney, but actually Cockney is in the East End. East London, yeah. yeah. With it, my dad was a Cockney. He was born within the sound of Bow Bells. My mum too. <laughs> uh. She was always very proud of that. I yeah. was born within the sound of Bow Bells. Now, I read in your biog that you've started to play an instrument because you found a banjo uh, your, belonging to your grandma. Is that true? In the Banjolele, yes. It's, What's it's a banjolele? It's a banjo-shaped ukulele. I never knew. So uh, the the thing was that I was seven uh, when oh. we went up to the attic, me and dad, to get down our summer holiday suitcases. Mm-hmm. And I saw this little leathery looking case about this, you know, about this big. Actually, it was this big. No, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> about this big, you know. And um, I said, what's that, dad? And he said, oh, uh, Nana, your grandmother, his his mother gave it to me a long time ago and said, maybe Peter would like to play this one day. Aww. And so she started it all. That's so amazing. So I said, can we get it down? So he said, yeah. I said, can you play it? And he said, yeah, I can play it. So he played Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley. <laughs> Michael rowed the boat. And she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> so so we, ha- we have your, your granny and your dad to thank. Yes, for your yes. future career. Did you teach yourself to play or did your dad teach you? Uh, he taught me my first three chords okay. and then I took it from there. And then by the time I was 12, they realized they had a problem on their hands because <laughs> it really looked like <laughs> I was going to be a musician. Um, so they sent me to classical guitar lessons for about four years. Um, and I hated it at the time, but I realized it was really important what it gave me, the knowledge of the fretboard. I know. know. If kids only realise, you know, my dad dad was a self-taught pianist. I mean, he just (sighs) did it as a hobby, but he he couldn't read music. And he always wanted to teach me piano. And I used to moan about, oh, I don't want to do it. I want to go out and play with my friend. And my mum would say, oh, leave her alone. She doesn't want to. And now I really wish he'd have made me do it. Because it, it must be so wonderful to play any instrument. Yeah, I think my father and mother just put it there. They didn't ever say to me, you want to try this? Yeah. They never said a word. I mean, as as soon as he gave it to put it in my hands, I said, what's that called? How did you do that? And so I was the one that instigated my passion for music. Uh, not my parents. They didn't push me at all. Yeah. So, and they, they, they were very upset that that um, that I was I wanted to leave school so early. You know. So, um, you know, I've got a a school teacher as a dad, and mum worked <laughs> as a secretary from the girls headmistress of the girls' school. Gosh. So, so they didn't want me to. I had all planned to go do my uh, O levels and then A levels and then go to hopefully get into the Guild School of Music, Guild Hall oh, yeah. School School of Music, and be an arranger. I wanted to be one of these guys. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But fate had other things in store for you, didn't they? Yes. Yes, it, <laughs> yes, it did. So was was the first band you were in, was it The Herd? I um, remember well, them. Well, professional band, yes. Okay, so you were in band. other bands before that? Yeah, when I was at school Okay, and through doing guitar lessons, I met people. Um, the True Beats were the actual first band, which was semi-pro. Um, and that was like when I was 11 and 12, something like that. So 61 and 62. Who were the other members of The Herd for people who are listening? Oh, who, for The uh, Herd? Yeah. Um, yes. Well, Andrew Bowne, who's oh, right. been in status quo for a long time, written a lot of their resurgence hits, actually. Mm-hmm. He's a great, he was my writing partner too in the herd. So he's a dear man and uh, known him all my life. And um, Andrew Steele, two Andrews we had. Andrew Steele was the drummer. Unfortunately, we lost him a few years ago. 
mm-hmm. incredible drummer. And uh, Gary Taylor, who went on to be a great session bass player and now lives in Australia, in Perth, and plays with Hank. Marvin. Oh, wow. Now, you you guys, actually, lots of people f- from kind of, our, I say, our era, because we're basically, I'm a little bit older than you, but we're the same sort of age. Um, yes. they're, they're, Hank Marvin was somebody they, that all the musicians really looked, because he's a little bit older, isn't he? Because I, I think well, even Paul McCartney loved cause Oh, I, yes. All the Beatles, everyone loved Hank because they were the first English band to have, to, to form that, you know, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass guitar, drums, and play what Americans would call surf music, but we called it the shadows. <laughs> because it was, when they came out with Apache, their very first instrument, they were instrumental, basically. They did sing, but their hits were, when they came out with Apache, it was it was almost like Sergeant Pepper coming out for me wow. you know, by the Beatles. It was so different, and I just couldn't get enough of it. That was it. I wanted to be Hank Marvin. I so, and I've I've met so many. That's what I'm saying. People, especially musicians from that era, who all say that that he was like the one. Mark Knopfler. Yeah, Mark Knopfler. exactly. Yeah, and we both got red Fender Stratocasters because there is no other color. You have to have Hank's red strap. <laughs> Oh really? That's <laughs> yeah. hysterical. Have you? We spoke about that. I, yeah. I say, have you have you played with him or met him or Hank? I joined the Shadows for a session that on my instrumental record, Fingerprints. Wow! I flew over. They just finished one of their uh, penultimate tours, I think. So Mark Knopfler lent me his British Grove studio, and. Um, three of the shadows. Bruce didn't make it, but I had uh, Mark on bass and Brian Bennett on drum. <laughs> I can't wow. believe this. And Hank Marvin. And we we wrote a song, uh, an instrumental together, sort of way apart. And then oh. we got together and put it together. And I spent the whole day in the studio. And uh, uh, this is the best part. The, the tech, Hank's tech, said to me at the beginning of the session before Hank had arrived because I'm always early um, <laughs> not a rock star really I say they're you're never... not a rock star because they're always <laughs> late <laughs> <laughs> so so he said he said so what's your favorite shadows song tune I said well everyone but I said if I had to pick one it would be wonderful land and uh, so we'd finished recording and uh I see Brian going back out to the drums with Mark, the bass player, and then Hank's putting on his guitar. I said, I didn't get this memo. What are we doing? He said, oh, we're going to record something for ourselves now. I said, what? And they were joking. And he just, Brian counted it in, and they started it. And then Hank looked at me, and he said, where's my rhythm guitar player? (laughs) So I had to rush and get my guitar because my mouth was like, you know, <laughs> oh, so I got to lovely. play with the person and the people that inspired me to start playing. Oh, that's wonderful story. Yeah. It's lovely things like that. It's like a circle, isn't it? It's Hank sends me his rough bits. I send him oh. my rough mixes, and we say, "Well, yeah, I like this. I love that." Whatever you know. So it's it's great. And that fingerprints album you got a Grammy for, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Surprised. There were a lot of people on that list that uh, I thought no chance, but uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. It was, it, it kind of um, changed everything for me because for for me, it, it meant after the, when Comes Alive came out, the big, huge yeah, live yeah, album, yeah. that's when my musical credibility sort of went out the window because all the girls started screaming again. Well, you shouldn't have been so gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) There's something to that, you know. Absolutely. It gets in the way. I I know, know, hey, I'm I'm very thankful I I look the way I do. I can't, you know, it's my mum and dad's fault. So, um, (laughs) But, you know, but this is so true of there's actors I know 
who, you know, they happen to be very good looking and they say sometimes it gets in the way because they're thought of as the beautiful ones and they don't get to play the gritty roles. Do you know what I mean? And with musicians, like you say, people kind of stop listening to the music and they go for the other thing and it it takes in a different direction. But Exactly. It's like um, Laurence Olivier's wife, the wonderful actress that was in um, Red Butler in the, gosh, the Vivian name's Lee. Her, his Vivian first Lee, yep. thank you. And he said, he said she was too good looking yeah. to be taken seriously. Yeah, and she was. As a, an actress. And she was a phenomenal actress. Phenomenal, I agree. But that yeah. still happens today, you know. If, yes, if you're, I think so. Especially in in America, it's, I don't think it happens so much in America. They they kind of love pretty actresses. But in England, yeah. you know, I know a few really good actresses, but they happen to mm. be very pretty as well. And it, it does hold them back. It's weird, yes. and, isn't it? And the thing I like about English actors, incorporating actresses, obviously, is that, um, it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, uh, if you are a great actress, you get the gig. Well, that's true um, as well. But I do think what I was just saying does sometimes affect, you know, people. And oh, they they does. come into their own when they get older. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. I didn't ask you, what, what do you drink tea still? Are you still an English I drink tea, tea. drinker? Uh, but I, I, I've gone more American. I, I do love my coffee in the morning. But I have, after lunch, I switch to tea. <laughs> what kind of tea? Builders? Earl Grey. Oh, yeah, okay. I, well, I do Earl Grey and um, breakfast tea mix. Oh, you do? Earl, Earl Grey on its own is a bit too perfumey for me. So I like, I oh, mix okay. it. It's quite nice. Try it. It's nice. It, it depends on the brand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, we have a brand here called Stash, and they make the best Earl Grey oh, okay. tea bags. So. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I don't. Think... Are you in England or are you in in LA? No, no, I'm in London. Oh, okay. We haven't lived in LA. Oh gosh. I oh think... my God! What time is it there? It's five five twenty five. It's all right. Oh, okay. It's yeah. later. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No, because when I when I contacted your people, when I contacted your people, I said it probably be morningish for you. Yes. And late afternoon for me, which was fine. That's great. No, the hard ones is when I do Australia, people in Australia. Oh, gosh. You've <laughs> got that, to call them yesterday. Yeah, exactly. It's really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you in the herd? It wasn't that long, was it? Um, two two three or three years, years yeah. at the most, yeah. And then... We thought we were being ripped off somewhere because we weren't making what we thought we should be. So we we uh, got rid of all our people and started again, stayed with the record company, re-signed with them, Phillips Fontana. Uh-huh. And then um, Andrew and I, Andrew got a call from uh, Ronnie Lane uh, oh, from the Small Faces. Oh. And he said, Steve and I heard that you you guys were had been, you know, had some financial troubles. You've not had as many financial troubles as we have, the small faces. So uh, so maybe why don't you come down and we can give you some advice? And we said, oh, yes, please. So Andrew and I went down to Marlow. They had a, two little cottages and we talked and they advised and they told us about Andrew Oldham and we ended up working with Andrew Oldham and who's my dear friend till still to this day. And uh, I guess it seemed like, I know I went back that night, but it seemed like Andrew went back to London and I stayed and I didn't leave. And we've, we, Steve and I and Ronnie and all the small faces got to be very friendly. And that was the band when I saw them do on Ready, Steady, Go, oh, a fa- very famous English TV show, yeah. music show, six minute, uh, eight minutes past six on a Friday night. And I saw the small faces do live, what you're going to do about oh, it. Oh, brilliant. And I got goosebumps like I'm getting now. And I said, I want to join that band. <laughs> 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 well, and Steve, in the end, Steve wanted me to join the Small Faces and the Small Faces 
didn't want a five-way split, <laughs> I guess. And they thought that, I, I think uh, Mac, who's was a dear friend. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Into he, he uh, they all were. He said, I read something. He said, Why do we need two guitars? That'll just you know, it's it's perfectly balanced the way it is. One guitar, one keyboard. And I agree with him. I think that's 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 a very good point. But so anyway, Steve got pissed off that they wouldn't let me join. And so he I went and did a <laughs> right before the end of Small Faces, uh, Glenn Johns, the engineer, oh, yeah, the engineer's engineer, of course. Yeah. And a lovely, lovely man. Yes, yes. Um, Glenn Johns called me up and said, uh, do you think I'd, I'd done something with him before? So I knew him and. Um, and he said, look, I'm doing um, a week's worth of sessions for a Johnny Halliday album in Paris. Uh, and he, he either wants Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix to be the guitar player. I said, they're a little busy. How about Pete Frampton? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got the gig and I think Steve Brilliant. said he wanted me to do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know brilliant. if that other part's true. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I go over there and I get my dream comes true. Aww. I join the Small Faces for a complete week. Uh, we ended up doing a couple of numbers that ended up on the first Humble Pie record. and uh, But it was for Johnny Halliday. And uh, then Mary and I went back uh, to Glenn's place. And he said, when we got off the plane... He said, do you, do you want to um, hear an album I've been working on? It's a new band. I mixed and recorded it in 12 days. I said, oh, my God, that's quick. He said, have you heard of Jimmy Page? I said, of course. Mm -hmm. He said, well, you won't, might not have heard of the others, but this band's called Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so I sit on the floor in front of the record player, and he puts on side one, and my jaw hits the floor. It's like, oh, my God, I've never, this is, and I think the guitar, obviously, Jimmy is fantastic, uh, John Paul Jones, but it was the drums. It was John Bonham. I had never heard anybody play rock drums. No one had like that. He reinvented rock drumming. So what kind of period, what kind of year was this? Where are we this now? This was uh, 60, 68. Oh. oh, okay, that early. Yes. And uh, because we formed, well, between putting, si taking side one off and putting on side two, because mm -hmm. you had to turn it over in those days, <laughs> um, uh, the phone rings and Glenn answers, it's Steve for you. I said, what? How does he know I'm here? Well, anyway, so hi, Steve, what's going on? And he was amped up. And he said, I can I swear on this? Yeah, of course you can. I can. Okay. Yeah. Um, he said, I fucking, I fucking left a small face. I said, what? Are you wise? He said, well, I, I, I've had enough. I've had enough. This, can I join your band? Because he was helping me. We had Jerry Shirley on drums. He was helping me form a band after I left the herd. So I said, are you sure about this? I said, because, you know, I mean, I wanted to join your band. <laughs> And so anyway, um, he said, no, it's final. Um, I walked off stage and that was it. So the next week we were down in Jerry Shirley's mother's front room <laughs> with little tiny amps and a big drum kit, starting off writing and playing as Humble Pie. Amazing. I love all these stories because, you know, none of this is planned, is it? No. It's kind of... No meeting people and circumstances have and great great passion from everyone that's what's so lovely and i is think the, passion the uk music. is a melting pot because it's so much smaller and uh -huh. the scene is there's a lot of artists or then obviously there's a lot of artists now but but i think it's condensed into this small area and everybody gets to know everybody 
you know. So if there's something going on and someone's leaving one band, and that's why there were so many great bands happened, you know, I think, because it was everybody went to London, mm -hmm. you know, from Scotland, from Manchester, from Liverpool, Birmingham, you know, and they all came down and... Uh, mm -hmm there was this plethora of incredible bands. But don't you think, I mean, it, it can happen today and things do happen to people today, but it was, that was a very special time for mm -hmm. young people because it was, it was kind of, it was the first time youth had a kind of voice, it, not only in music, but in fashion, in art. Mm -hmm. yes. And And I think, you know, we thought the world was our oyster. We thought, Mm -hmm. that we were going to rule the world, which we did in a way for a while. Yes, and that everything. Well, you did too. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But, you know, what happened to me couldn't have happened. That happened to me in 66. That couldn't right. have happened in 1960. And it right. couldn't have happened probably in 1980. No, right. Maybe Do you know not. what I mean? It was, there was something in, something in the air. Right. As the song I, I says. think I have a theory about why so many young teenagers were allowed to do music because if you think of it, our grandparents were Victorian, the yep. last vestiges of Victorian. Yep. You shall be quiet, spare the rock, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, we don't want to hear from you, go away, you sort of thing, uh, to going through yet another war, the mm -hmm. Second World War, our parents survived. They were so thrilled to have survived, yeah. those ones that came back awful that so many didn't but that they wanted their children to be freer yeah that's right. what they fought for yeah exactly you know that's what they fought for and you've got the who you've got um the beatles you've got the stones you've got all these i mean i could go on and on and on and on and on you know, know traffic all these uh spencer davis before that and i believe that it was a freer it was the first time as you say that we were allowed to blossom yeah. with the freedom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're right. And actually, I mean, I were you a mod? Because I yes. was a, I, Oh, yeah. You weren't a rocker, yes. definitely. Because <laughs> I, no, I, I was a mod. And I was no, only, I was a mod, yeah. I was only allowed to go to a dance on Saturday nights, and I had to be home by 10. Well, I was, right. you know, I was still... I was 14 or 15 and yeah. we used to go to a, a club in Harrow in North London and mm -hmm. we saw them I mean we saw people like the Yardbirds which was Eric Clapton and yes. um, Jeff Bett wasn't it yeah I, I mean I didn't know who they were then they were Keith just this Ralph. Band. yeah yeah the and Keith um, the animals we saw um, and Georgie Fame they were all just local guy you know yes. young guys playing in this Zoot tiny in the big Zoot Money and the big roll band. <laughs> I don't remember them. Yeah. But, um, but, and I think back and think, I can't believe I saw these people who, they weren't famous then. No. This is pre them, you know. Maybe you yeah. even played there in, in the early days. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I remember I used to go up to London underage and I used to black my way into the <laughs> Flamingo on Mordor Street and I'd, I'd be watching um, Blues Breakers, you know, yeah. Eric with, with um, John Mayer. And then the next weekend, it was the Graham Bond organization, which was Jack Bruce and oh, Ginger wow. Baker oh, wow. and Dick Hextall-Smith on, on sax and Graham Bond on this huge Hammond organ. So I was in the front row of these all the time, you know, mentally Amazing. taking pictures of everything they were doing, you know, so... Yeah. It is. It's an amazing time, actually. So when, because you've you live in Nashville, yeah? Yes, I do. Oh, lucky you! I've been, I went I went there once in the. So I did. I recorded there actually. I did some recordings there. Do we you remember got, the studio? Do you remember where you were? It's a long time ago. It was. RCA. In the, I can't remember because we did right. them as demos. Right. But I got to work with some amazing because I love country music. So right. I did some country songs. And I remember because this guy came with his slide guitar. Oh, oh, my goodness. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. It was amazing. But I remember it. But I mean, I'm talking about probably mid-late 70s. So it's probably right. changed. It was probably, it was, it could have been um, the guy that 
uh, Pete Drake on pedal steel that introduced remember. me to the talk box. I was going to I was going to ask you about the talk box. Where did yeah. that come from? You were the first one to do it, weren't you? Well, I was actually technically not, but there were two pedal steel players, Pete Drake being the second, uh, that had made their own talk boxes, which is basically you take the sound of the instrument that's coming out of the amplifier mm -hmm. and instead of the sound coming out of the speaker cabinet, it gets redirected to a little speaker on the floor and a pipe comes up and the sound of the guitar or whatever you plug through it comes up the tube, then it becomes another set of larynx. So wow. I, do you remember... You must remember Radio Luxembourg. Of course. Yes. Of course. Well, it was, it was in Luxembourg, for those who don't know. It was in a station in Luxembourg. And from seven to midnight, every night they had, oh, I can't remember his name now, but it was the only place you could hear great rock and roll. That's right. And, and, and American stuff, you know, and great English rock as well that wasn't on the BBC, you know. Oh, and, no, <laughs> not yeah. on the BBC. <laughs> no, no, no. And um, so their call letters were 208. That's but right. But they did, it was Radio uh, Radio Luxembourg, 208, and it was that talk box sound. Oh, it was how that computerized. That's right. You're, I remember And it. I went, what is that? I love that sound. So techy, me. So anyway, <laughs> I, I stored that away and then... I hear Stevie Wonder use it on Music of My Mind. And then Jeff Beck did one track with it. And then Joe Walsh did Rocky Mountain Way with it as well. But I was asked by George Harrison to play on All Things Must Pass. And oh. I was playing acoustic with George and Badfinger were, were playing acoustic too. So there was, it was Phil Spector production. So there was 27 of the same instrument in 27 basses, 27 pianos. It was just like he used the, the wall of sound. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, George says, you know, Peter, tomorrow we've got, um, <laughs> we've got Pete Drake flying in from Nashville, you know, this <laughs> fantastic pedal steel player, you know. So I said, oh, fantastic. He said he's on every big country hit since the 50s, you know. So I said, oh, my God, that's fantastic. So in comes Pete Drake, lovely man, sits directly opposite me, three foot in front of me, he sets up, sets his pedal steel up, and we do a track. And I'm just like, again, oh, wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's so beautiful. It's chills. Here they come again, the goosebumps. And so in those days, it took a while to change reels. <laughs> this now they just you press they press stop and then they say next take what well, I'm I'm not ready yet because <laughs> it's digital you know so we need we need the analog rewind time for my brain you know <laughs> so so I think that made a big difference in those days you had a time for a ciggy and a cup of tea you know that's and, right uh, are you ready oh not yet um so so you'd have time to sort of cut forget about what you just did, you know? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he, he said, well, let me do this. Hold it. So he gets in his little bag. He puts uh, this little metal box on the end of his pedal steel, plugs this into here, this into there. And then he gets out a plastic tube and I almost started to laugh. Um, <laughs> and he put the plastic tube on the top of this little box. It had a little thing to, put it on, you know, little nipple, as we say. And the tube came up, he put the tube in his mouth and the pedal steel started singing to me. And it was, it was one of those moments again. How wonderful. That's <laughs> amazing. On YouTube, yeah. uh, there is someone from Abbey Road saved the audio of that exact time. And you hear me and George laughing. How great it is! In, oh, and, and I've got to go and as find he's that. doing it, yeah. I'm going to so find that. So it's it's uh, and that was it. You know, I said, where, 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 where do I get one? <laughs> and he said, Well, I made this one myself. No one was commercially making them at that point. So, anyway, 
Joe Walsh borrowed that talk box from Pete Drake and recorded wow. Rocky Mountain Way with it. So, and then he said to Bob Heil, who was Heil Sound, um, PA's Humble Pie used them, you know, so he was an audio guy. And um, he was friends with Joe. Um, and Joe called him up and said, you know, hey, uh, can you uh, can you make me one that's louder? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he did. So that ended up being the Heil talk box, which then my girlfriend mentioned to uh, Bob Heil that I was an avid fan of the talk box for many years without one and he gave me one for christmas so so that was probably christmas 73 and by 74 i had introduced it into the act just for do you feel the last number you know and 18 months later we recorded the live album i say frampton comes alive it's got to be it's got to be in the top five of the greatest albums ever made. I know it's Thank in the bill, billboard, isn't it? Yes. In some amazing chart. I, I think, yeah, it, I think it's in the top five live albums of all time. Yeah. Um, I th- I've actually written down it was it, it was ranked by billboard as number three. Wow. So okay. that is, well, quite deservedly. I mean, it is one yeah. of the great albums. And, you know, Baby, I Love Your Way and, and Show Me The Way. I mean, they're, you know. They come on the radio all the time and they're amazing. You should be very proud to have written them and performed them. Thank you. So why did you leave the UK to live in America? Was there a reason or was it just work or falling in love or? Falling in love. Yeah, that's usual. Well, I think it was, I think it was falling in lust. Well, that's how it usually starts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, um, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I moved, then I finally moved, because it seemed like I lived there anyway, because with Humble Pie, yeah. we toured like, you know, at least 12 weeks of the year there, um, wow. and then Europe, da, da, da. so I was I was uh, always in America, and, and then with my own career, uh, solo career, I did the same thing. We just toured, 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 toured. Yeah. Until until the live album came out and then we double toured. <laughs> I say, then you exploded onto the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but America is, I mean, it offers people so much opportunity. I mean, you know, I mean, what happened to me was wonderful in England, but it didn't really, it should, wouldn't have gone any further had I not been taken over to America by right. American Vogue, and then it was like, I would yes. say they they turned me global. Yes, they did. <laughs> and you America went global. does. The, America does that for you, yes. doesn't it? Really. Yes. But Nashville must be a great place to live. Um, it is. Um, it's a red state, which is a little disturbing to me. For those who don't know, that means it's more of a Republican state. Oh. Um, I'm I'm more a lefty. I'm a yeah. very lefty. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, um, forgetting about that. I mean, downtown Nashville, Davidson County is probably more democratic. Uh, It's the outer part of Nashville um, and Tennessee that is more rural is is more Republican, I think. But but it's the music. I came here oh many many years ago now. probably 20 years ago to do a writing session. And I, I, instead of going back home, I told my wife uh, at the time, let's move here. This is much better than we were renting in up in um, uh, Phoenix. We'd got out of LA for after the earth, the big earthquake in 94. And um, we didn't like Phoenix as much because it was so hot. The kids couldn't play in the summer outside. So, because it's like over 100 this degrees This is Arizona, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Arizona. It's beautiful, beautiful. The Lots. suns, every sunset's yeah. a Monet. And lo- you know? lots of cactus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you'll never, you, you'll always be hydrated. That's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, so yes, and, and I I was here for we were here for about six years. Unfortunately, my wife's dad passed away, and we wanted our our child, Mia, to be close to grandma. So we moved up to Cincinnati for a oh, while, okay. and then then unfortunately I got divorced, and and uh, and I said, what am I doing in Cincinnati when? I could be in Nashville. So yeah. I came back here. I've been well, back here 10 years. It's the perfect home for you, I would think, because it's all about music, isn't it? The, there's so many incredible players yeah. here. It's no. And doesn't not necessarily country. I no, mean, they're no, just no, that's great interesting. A great musician can play jazz, blues, country, you name it, pop. And, yeah, and that's what we have here. We have that's wonderful. a lot of L.A. session guys have moved here. Uh, uh, I don't think the Nashvillians like that, but but they do. Um, <laughs> How many kids have you got? I've got three. Grown up? My daughter is uh, 35, my Jade. My son is 30, and my Julian. And my baby one is 25. Oh, are they, are so, they in the business, music, acting? Julian is, and... Mia is Mia. Mia's a little actress. She was in years ago. Now she stuck. Her first big role was in Bridesmaids. Oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, she was the girl that got Kristen Wiig fired at the end of the movie. So, um, <laughs> so um, Kristen called her the c word. I'm not going to say. <laughs> I'm not going to say that out loud. No, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it might might upset a few people. Yes, it might. <laughs> Over here, it's like <gasps> you get shot for using that word. Oh, really? Yes, That's so funny. absolutely shot. But um, well, I won't shoot you if you said it. Okay, it, it, it is a bit rude. Yes, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so her and Kristen Wiig, who's so nice, they basically had this argument about you know because she Kristen didn't want to work in a jewelry store. Mia didn't really want to be treated this way and her character. So oh, they I go didn't. at it, you know. And then when they'd finished the script, that's when Kristen and the, and the director said, okay, let's go off script and just whatever you can think of <laughs> to put the other one down. <laughs> n- nothing's off limit. Wow. Okay? So there is, it's called The Longest Argument ever and it's on youtube somewhere <laughs> and so um funny. but wasn't in the film that way and so uh mia had been hearing you know Kristen would say your hair sucks you know or whatever and yeah your hair looks like straw you know or whatever <laughs> and then and then she'd overheard her mother talking to her aunt about how when you get old my eggs have dried up you know <laughs> <laughs> so so Mia, using her noggin, says at one point, your eggs are dry. <laughs> and Kristen goes, my eggs are very wet. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that kind of thing. You know? How brilliant. That's so Mia funny. had the time of her life doing that. And do, do, the ki- do your children live in Nashville or are they all over the no, place? No, uh, Mia and Julian live in uh julian's just got married to annie wonderful wonderful lady and uh and so um they're there but my oldest daughter jade has been work worked for l for years oh, lovely. and then she is uh in charge of uh, harper's online right now oh brilliant and she's had enough they, they, because they said to me before the baby, we're Manhattanites. We're never, we love her. Like I helped them get an apartment and, and they just love 81st and Lex. And so it's a very nice area. And, and, uh, so said, we're never leaving here. Thanks, dad, for helping, you know, whatever. I said, great, great. They had the baby two months later. We're moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Babies do that. So you're a grandpa. I'm, yeah. Well, we call me Frampa. Frampa, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the best, though? What have oh, you got, a boy or a girl? Girl. Oh, how girl. old? Her name's Elle. Oh, love. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Oh. And how She's old two, is she? Oh. Two. Oh, and best. she, Jade's just left her work. And Sam, her husband, because he works 
you know, on computer can do it from anywhere. So he's going to have the same job. They're moving here on the 25th. How wonderful. So you can help with the puppy. (laughs) Yes, yes. I know my, my, my daughter's got two, one of seven, Joni, who is the love of my life. She's she's the only person in the world that can boss me around. Right. (laughs) And she does. I don't know where she gets it from. (laughs) And then she's got a little two year old boy. But they are the best, aren't they? Yeah, I'm moving I'm moving to the country. Twenty it's only twenty minutes south of Nashville. I'm in a a condo right now, have been for ten years, which I love, but it's downtown has changed so drastically in Nashville that it, you know, I'm ready for some peace and quiet, you know. Lovely. So, so you're going to the uh, country. Yes. Uh, it's what's more, it's so green. It's a it's a neighborhood. It's Lovely. not like on its own. It's There are other houses around, but it's so quiet and beautiful and, and trees all around my house. So, yeah, so I move in on the 17th of this month. Excellent. And I, I think Mary told me you're coming over to do a tour in England yes. in the fall if you want to give it if you want to give your tour a plug please yes do. have you yes, got dates we're, we're playing um i don't have the the dates of the dates but i know where we're playing it's november um okay i believe that albert hall is the eighth i'm not sure but it's you can check it out it's on my website and everything and and tweeting and all that so um yes yeah, so we're going to play a warm up date in Stoke. Then we're going to go to Scotland. Um, and then we're day off, drive back down to, uh, to the Royal Albert Hall. Fabulous. And then a day off. Then we go to Europe for five shows. So we'll do Paris, uh, two in Germany, the Netherlands, and one more. I can't remember right now, but it's all, if you go to the website, Frampton.com, it's all there. Oh, well, maybe I'll get to come. <laughs> oh, I would love you to come. I'd love to come. We yeah. haven't actually, we haven't been brave enough to go back to the theatre yet, but I should no. think by November we'll be all well, right. Fortunately, I know Vince Gill, who is the new guitar player singer in the Eagles. Um, he's a phenomenal country player. I, very I say, well is that the country, Vince Gill? Yes. Oh, he's and amazing. And he joined the Eagles. I didn't and, know that. That's yeah, amazing. He's got, he's right got a voice. Oh, does he <gasps> My ever? My gosh. Like oh, tell angel. him I'm a huge fan. Will do. And so anyway, <laughs> he got he got me he got me tickets. We got because I had trouble with my legs because of my my muscle disease. Um mm. uh, I can't walk down those stairs that are like at oh, this yes. angle, you know what I mean? So, yeah. uh my agents uh, William Morris had a box and they invited me in the box. Well, we were in the front row, my girlfriend and I, Robin, and and so I thought there's no one in front of us. I'm going to take my mask off. Three days later. You got COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. From This is a th- in, inside a theatre. Well, it was, a, it was the arena. Oh my God, that's that's scary. So there's people behind me in the in the box. Oh, in the box, and they're all. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> tr- you know. Yeah. I'm going. If I don't get COVID, it'll be a miracle. Well, no miracle. <laughs> Were you okay? No. Did you did it you get it badly? It was, yeah, I yeah, I had oh, twelve sorry. days of positiveness, and not great. It it oh, was sorry. no picnic, but no. but it didn't go to my chest. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Well, I hope I'll come and see you at the. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I... I'll come and uh, you know. Don't ink me in for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hopefully, by it's much better in the UK. I don't know what it's like over there, but I've heard New York is still a bit iffy. But um... yeah, it's it's blossoming here. What happened to you with the Omicron too? It's always a bit delayed here because yeah, the country's so big. Yes, that's right. So, but, but we it's... seem to be. I mean, people are still getting it, but they're not as sick. And we've no. had all our vaccinations. So, yeah, me too. But um... well, actually, the day I got the symptoms was the day I was supposed to get my second booster. Oh, 
So if I'd have got that second booster like a couple of weeks earlier, maybe I wouldn't have had yeah. it so bad, you know? No, no. Anyway, it's been an absolute joy. I've suddenly looked at the clock and I've kept you for so long. Sorry. But oh, it's just okay. so lovely to talk to you after all these years. This isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't work for me, catching oh, up with you. So I mean, I remember, I've got to say this. Do you remember you and Tommy Tune in my music room in Bolton Road? Oh, that's right. Yes. And you were doing the demos for the Broadway play. Yeah. Yeah. Musical. That we ended up doing on Broadway. That's right. God, that must yeah. have been the late 70s, something like that. No, I tell you what it was for. It, was, it wasn't for that shit because we did oh. My One and Only in 83. But earlier, which would have been when this was, we were trying to get a, a, fil a, a film musical going. And we couldn't, in the end, get it off the ground. But we did some recordings of some music, and that's what it was. That would have been yeah, in the early was, 70s. Yes, but yes. Yeah. And I was your engineer for the day. <laughs> oh, I had the poshest engineer in the rock business. <laughs> Aren't I lucky? <laughs> and you had a piano player come over. That's right. And that's a piano, God, you've a got a good... You, you're like Mary... I, your memories, I'm, I'm yeah. terrible. Only of that period, though. Oh, you know, that's only of when I was younger. You know, I've got a mind like a sieve now. For I don't <laughs> even know. Did I take my pills? I don't know. Did you take your pills today? I beat it. Take your pills, slut. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an absolute joy, and hopefully, I'll see you at the end of the year. Absolutely. I think, I think Mary said she might plan to come over, so... Yes, I think that, yeah, she's, yeah. Maybe I'll get a diving helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Hazmat suit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. And All right. Hopefully I'll get to see you properly. Lots and lots of love. Thanks, Twigs. Oh, gosh, that was a very long chat. I suddenly looked at the clock and realised we'd been chatting for over an hour. But, you know, he's an old friend and it was so lovely to see him and chat to him and hear all his stories. A lot I didn't know, which is lovely. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Don't forget to check out where he's playing when he comes over in November of this year. And if you can grab some tickets, do, because he is phenomenal and one of the sweetest, loveliest men on the planet. Anyway, you'll take care. I'll see you soon. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy. Or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. heard a stripped media production. Hello, I'm Violet Manners and welcome to Hidden Heritage, the podcast that brings you inside Great Britain's favourite destinations. From the same team that brought you the number one history podcast, Duchess, Hidden Heritage will uncover the fascinating stories behind the UK's brightest shining hidden gems. 
You'll hear from top experts in British heritage, including custodians, historians, artisans, experts, and even the craftsmen and restorers who've worked on some of the most celebrated historic buildings. We will share the untold and unique stories that celebrate UK heritage, from landmarks to architecture, artifacts to myths and legends. Hidden Heritage will highlight a side to British history you have never seen before. I'm your host, Violet Manners, and founder of Heritage X, and I invite you all to join us on this exciting journey. This is Hidden Heritage. You can find Hidden Heritage wherever you listen to your podcasts.